And we are live. So, um, Ziad, welcome. Hi, David. Episode, uh, we'll get it right this time, 14. Episode 14. We're off by uh, We're in the field, <laughs> and we are at uh, the MIT Media Lab. Yeah, the Enterprise Forum. Who's our right. guest, Ziad? Who's our guest? Ted. Ted Finn. Yeah, yeah. Entrepreneur. Extraordinaire. <laughs> um, he, he companies, companies number five and six. Oh, really? Yes. You're almost up to us with podcasts. <laughs> and you have us beat, perhaps, with listeners. I don't know about that. We'll see. Um, so, first, environment. We are at the MIT Enterprise Forum Connected Things 2018, 2018. conference. Our, a little background our, noise. Yeah, a, little, a lot of background noise. Sorry about that. That's okay. And our, our, um, our uh, other guest host or co-host, whatever he is, Mark Thurman, is running this. Yeah, Mark Thurman is to. the king of the, uh, what's it called, IOT uh, Connected Things 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and now, we were here with Ted. Ted. So Ted, have we you have failed ever at anything? <laughs> <laughs> ever. Anything. Admit it. Um, the hot well, light is on. I know there's a time limit on this podcast. Oh, so it's an hour. Don't worry. About that. <laughs> my we'll list, give you my list of failures could, could fill a, a couple of adventures, but um, I'll focus on, on one in particular in, oh, yeah. in the footwear space. Hey, so you know what you haven't told us and we haven't asked? Okay. Your company. You're with a, first there's the family business. Don't tell us about your new businesses yet, but okay. there's the family business. So my family business uh, is in the footwear business, I'm second generation. Um, I started in business with my father and my wife in 1987 when wow. he was able to spin off a very small division of U.S. Shoe Corporation with a product development office in Taiwan. Huh. And then we joined him uh, shortly after we were married, my wife Leslie and I. She was the CFO. She was a banker at Manufacturers Hanover. Ooh. I'm dating myself. Manny Hanny. Um, and I was working at Macy's corporate buying office in New York City. Huh? And then we joined my father. Um, we started the business the week of the stock market crash in October of 1987. Oh. That's a good... You started at the bottom. Yes, we yeah. started at the bottom. Yeah. Could be good. Um, Timing's everything. Timing is everything. Um, we built an infrastructure and a company from a, about a $5 million product development office to about a $95 million footwear business. Over what period of time? Over a 15-year period of time. Okay, a little while. Yeah. Um, eventually, we sold uh, that business to a European conglomerate. Um, we did the two years of uh, customary working yep. together. Yep, yep, yep. And then uh, we moved on to other ventures, oh. um, mostly in the footwear space. Sorry, when was the sale? Uh, 2004. Uh -huh. Andy, can you explain to me what is the footwear? So is it anything you wear on your foot? We were um, just designing, developing, sourcing, and wholesaling women's fashion and comfort footwear. Okay. Our customers were um, all over the world, but in North America we sold all the major department stores. Wow. Um, we also have, so that would, at that time, Nordstrom, Dillard's, Jordan Marsh, Filene's here in Boston, Macy's, etc. What was the name of that business? That was Amasia International. 
Wow, not not yeah. a uh, household name. Not a household name. Uh, just a, qui a quiet. Those are the best businesses. A quiet yeah. family business, uh, and we did a lot of private label business. Uh, we we produced shoes for brands like Clark's. Yep. We pioneered Vietnam for them in the late '90s. For what do you mean in terms of uh, producing? For footwear production. Yep. Um, so it was an incredible journey. It took us all over the world. Yeah. We produced footwear in 12 different countries, and we ended up selling footwear in 20 different countries. Wow. Okay. And, and no, none of it under your own label? Uh, we did acquire uh, another company, and we had brands um, that we owned uh, in the women's space, one called Caressa, which was a yeah, nice well-known um, fashion comfort yeah. dress shoe brand, yeah. uh, sold mostly in department stores. Yeah. And another called Allure um, Great. that we acquired. Great so. marks. Um, so I met you in connection with a company called Horizon. Yes. When did that come about? Horizon was formed after... Another we, footwear company. Another footwear company after we... Um, Completed our acquisition and our two-year earnout. Yeah, um, and that was our next venture. Uh, okay. Space. And that's still going. That's still going, although it has evolved now uh, into a new company. So essentially, we're winding down. Really. Horizon Operations. Yeah. Yeah. And we're transitioning into smart wearable products, which is why I'm here today for the uh, connection. That's IoT. Perfect. So are we, can we look forward to a day where there will be a connected foot? Um, or, or a connected, connected shoe. shoe. Yes. <laughs> we got to get our harmony better on yeah, those. Exactly. <laughs> we got to practice. We tried one time going, hello, hello, hello. Didn't work. <laughs> You can definitely look forward to that day. Um, we, um, we've already built a prototype of our smart wearable insole that is basically a smart platform for your foot. It's gonna measure your balance, your gait, and depending on the different types of sensors that we incorporate in it, um, could be used to manage certain health and wellness problems. Who would pay for this? Who would pay for this? For um, corporate wellness, we could see corporations where they have tens of thousands of employees on their feet every day paying for a custom, comfortable platform that their associates could wear during the day and reduce fatigue. And we could collect data for them to help them manage their healthcare costs. I haven't looked into that issue at all, but what is, is there, are there fine lines or, or red lines not to cross when you start looking into employee health? I, I keep recalling back in the day, there was a, one of the questions on a, I think on an employment questionnaire would be, do you smoke? And I always wondered whether they were entitled to ask that. I think they are. Um, but where does this uh, sort of shoe slash foot slash balance issue fill, fit into that? Or having your studies come up with that yet? If we're if we're providing associates with um, good biomechanics and comfort, and they're able to to do their job and be on their feet all day and be more comfortable and not go home at night and be sore tired, we think it's a win win for both the company 
right. and the associate. And that and may not mean sharing the data with a company that, as much as just letting the associates see that if they were to just get an orthotic, it might help right. them. Exactly. Okay. At the same time, I think we have to, depending on the type of data that we're collecting, uh, there are certainly some important privacy issues, which are a very timely topic today. Yeah. Yeah. As well. Yeah. yeah, we just saw. Go ahead, Ziad. Oh, sorry. I see so you, didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't tell me you were going to interrupt me, which was, yeah. I had no clue. No. <laughs> I go, uh, uh, so the, the, and we would like to hear about your failure. Okay. Oh, but yeah, yeah, but that, always we're talking about, about the footwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, one of the challenges that I've seen with a lot of companies that are tackling the footwear is the footwear, the feet, the, feet are, the uh, IoT is, you have multiple shoes at home. Right. So, sensorize them all. You have to sensorize them all. Well, uh, Ted would and, like you to. Or you're not going to wake up every morning and say, Ooh, "Oh, let yeah. me take my yeah, insoles no, from my that? dress shoes to no, my no, no. sneakers." He so, wants to sell into every footwear manufacturer in the universe. So the so the company the the, the soul the, of his company the shoe selling <laughs> souls comes pre-censored. You're not you're not laughing. There's two ways to approach this. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not funny. There's two ways to approach this problem. Um, one is that we could provide a uh, removable oh insole that would fit in your work shoes, the, the shoes that you're going to wear to work yeah. each day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that could be potentially more than one pair of shoes. The insole could fit in your Nike sneakers. They could fit in uh, most pairs of shoes that have a removable insole. Um, if you're wearing flip-flops, yes, that's a different story. I had a thought, finally. Um, which was this, which is you're, you're not making shoes now. And if you were making shoes, you would have to come out with a very big, large line of shoes, everything from running to exactly. work. Okay, so what you're making are insoles. And then the question is, what's the price point going to be and how do you encourage people to buy these? Right. And that's what Ziad's, I guess, getting at, which is, and so, from a, so to me, what's interesting from an entrepreneurial perspective, how do you, attack that problem because you can't well and, and let me let me add I guess if you look at it from a medical perspective if a diabetes patient needs to wear the insole they will yes but in the general public so most companies have to pick am I a medical device or right. am I a general consumer electronics but you yeah. don't have to answer that question if you prefer to go to the failure oh, no, no, discussion. No, 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 no. It's your choice. We're we the are IoT a, an equal yeah, we'll opportunity. Let me answer Fairs the IoT yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. So for health, yeah. our primary focus is diabetic foot ulcers. Okay. Those patients are at grave risk for ulcers leading to potentially amputations. And the costs involved with those ulcers um, can run up to $30,000 plus per patient. And you're able to detect? In, so in, we would on... be able to detect higher temperature or uh. pressure and provide either a warning via, t it could be text, it could be haptic feedback. Uh, and what would you be, tell them? What would you say? Your foot's getting darn hot. You maybe have an a, ulcer coming a, on? There's a difference between your left and right foot or between your baseline. Yeah. Uh, you are at risk for an ulcer. This could be a yellow light. What do they then do at that point? Um, they need to get off their feet. Well, like that day or that week like or that, that year? moment. Really? An ulcer can no. form in as little as an hour. Really? And the yes. ulcer, so do you need to have a little cut? 
or it would be an internal ulcer? Um, there's two different kinds. Uh, there are internal ones that erupt, and there are also traditional blisters that yeah, turn into ulcers. Because we have a company that I'm probably allowed to advertise. It's called Simple Science. Oh, yeah. And they're on the market. You can find them on uh, Amazon. And therefore, uh, diabetic ulcers, where you spray it on your feet right. every day, and it kills all the, the germs mm -hmm. to avoid infections. Invo avoiding, yeah. Uh, so we're trying to prevent the ulceration. From even to From come, even yeah. forming. Got because it. the primary care for ulcerations right now is wound care. Yeah. Wound care, exactly. So that company care. is... But so they're trying now to we're, prevent infection. We're, we're getting sucked into a non-failure discussion. No, no, but, let but me continue even, the let's talk about the IoT. Let, I want to get me, down IoT. Ask, yeah. So are you a footwear company or an IoT medical device? We are a um, biomechanical smart footwear company. Okay. So, I'm sorry, price point. Did we get to the price point yet? Price points are going to vary between... Um, 50 and 150? Between wellness, which yeah. would be a lower price point. Well, how wellness much? Wellness needs Roughly. to be $100 or less. Yep. yep. And for diabetic foot ulcers, we're targeting a... 500 $300 okay. pair of smart insoles with a monthly monitoring Is that reimbursed? Um, currently... Insurance does reimburse for both shoes and orthotics. Oh, not my shoes. Not, that are not smart. Okay. But they okay. do have a reimbursement code. So one day it will be reimbursed. What's, yes. How about the FDA approvals? What do you um, need? We would, first step would be for monitoring. Ah, no pun intended. <laughs> for, for monitoring. <laughs> and the second, <laughs> the second would be for diagnostics. Okay, so monitoring. So I'm sorry, so is FDA required for diagnostic, for um, monitoring? Um, it would be preferable for us to have it. And we're, What's that path look like? That, that path would be, currently for us, it would be um, based on a converse, based on conversations with Partners Connected Health Innovation Team, we would get together with them to perform a validation study on the insole, which they would uh, work with us on, publish, yeah. and we would uh, seek a 510K. And that's enough for the 510K? I would think there would be much yeah. more. Uh, for for, for monitoring. Um, for monitoring, But it's yes. a non-invasive, non... It's, I mean, not, it's an external it's, device. It's an external device, and, yeah. and it's... Uh, it's making I a think claim what, of some sort, what, though. What, what would work is if the device sends your spouse or your parents or your a text, because most people ignore their own health, exactly. but if it sends a text message to someone else saying, your, uh, whoever, your, your son, your daughter, right. your father, yeah, your, your mother, designee. Is, your designee is an hour away from having an ulcer, catch them. Yeah, right. go pick them up in the car. So what are the privacy yeah. issues? I'm sorry, Ziad wants to get well, to we failure. We'll need, get to we that. We would need permissions uh, if yeah. we were going to share that warning with the... How about protecting the data once it's in your shop? We have to follow all the HIPAA okay. regulations and we have to be very careful about how we handle the data and who's involved in our ecosystem. Yeah, because you're... Okay. What are you hearing at the IoT conference here today that either alarms you or gives you comfort that uh, the direction you're going is a long-term safe one um, from, a, from a privacy a, perspective? That's a very good question. Hey, I actually had one. <laughs> yeah. This is <laughs> podcast 13, we, I think. We can save her the moment. Yeah. This is yeah. a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Yeah, finally. Um, I was both... 
Podcast 14. Both concerned and heartened by the con by the conversation on the networks, because we see oh, the, work, the, the, the panel, the, the network panel and talking about all of the different um, levels where your data is traveling and shared in that ecosystem. Yes. I don't think that um, a lot of um, medical IoT devices have really wrapped their arms around no, it. Well, yeah. I, I think they have not. They have isn't not. their view, uh, from what I can tell, their view is that the data goes from the device, whatever it is, to the cloud, but there's not a lot of thought what the cloud means. And you're saying there's that's a nuanced position. I'd say that there are um, more than a few handoffs in this uh, pipeline from the individual through the network and the entire cloud system and back again, and that we need to really understand those and we need to put the patient first when we think about how we're going to handle their data. And, and people are not going to understand this until disaster strikes. Right. Like it's a series of incidences, disasters, problems that will make people wake Are up Are there the network, because uh, I walked out of that particular panel discussion, um, I think to get ready for uh, one of the other podcasts, but um, or recording sessions. Um, are there, number one, standards and or two, networks that are compliant at all levels? I would have thought that the utility network would be one of the safest and most secure networks You mean out the there. one that the Russians have already infiltrated? That one, and the one that <laughs> one of the panelists work. climbed up on a telephone pole and got into the system via a remote box. So that's a concern, that's a major concern. Okay. So, oh, I'm sorry, so is there, it, did you walk away from that panel discussion with an impression that there is a solution, whether it's, what's the, what's the Microsoft network called? Um, uh, what do you call that, Microsoft? Uh, Azure. Azure. Is, for example, Azure, or I hate to say Dropbox, but uh, any of the other commercial ones safe if you connect straight into them, or can nobody guarantee this? I would say from a HIPAA that, perspective. Um, we're going to be looking at this a lot more carefully based on the information that we've been listening to today. Fortunately for us, we are early stage. We are going to be going out and doing a, a limited pilot later this year, um, but our team's going to be taking a really close look at this in the early stages of product development to figure out what's the right path for us because I think there's, there's a lot of issues out there. There were consultants here today who would evaluate uh, and maybe give you advice on what networks to choose if not evaluates the, one you've, the ones you've already chosen. I, I trust you'd involve them as well. Absolutely. Um, at the same time, I think um, what I'm understanding here is that um, you really need to take a global view of the entire life cycle of your data and all the steps and places that it's going um, because it's not really limited to one network. So yeah, I'm going to channel. Wait, and, and then another philosophical view is to just give up and say, here, <laughs> yeah, here. take all my data. I, I was at the hospital yesterday doing an x-ray. I check in. The lady at the front desk says, sir, could you put this on your shirt? It's a tracker. And oh. so I put this little tracker, and they knew at I, they knew my location within the hospital at all 
times. Bathroom, no bathroom. So for fun, I started running in circles and sending them f funny data to just mess with them. But did they notice? I, I was hoping someone would come and say, sir, why are you running in circles? Well, did they check you into, I think it's on the seventh floor H wing where there's the locked doors? Did they put you in that section? Well, I should, <laughs> I should, but my point is that I realized that they, they know my visit to the doctor was now not public knowledge, but let's call it semi or private. Yeah. The, the hospital knows everything. And then you don't know what they're doing with this data. Does HIPAA cover my, yeah. my, the length of my bathroom visit? Um, and so, so it made me think about this whole privacy and, and where we're going. Well, NOR, so jumping from that, I know we want to get to the failure, but NOR the, was, uh, and I've forgotten her last name, but uh, NOR was just the speaker uh, at the last session here at the conference, and she was talking about Smart City, uh, in which everything is connected. I don't know if she mentioned connecting shoes and insoles, nor wearing trackers on individuals. It was more connecting... Um, all items in a building, a commercial building, presumably in a home. Uh, yeah, privacy has got to be... A smart cities, smart homes, smart buildings, smart shoes. And then I, th I think we haven't yet scratched the surface. People think of IoT or a smart shoe. Where is, where is that my person? Data. Where's GPS, my data? Yeah. Uh, uh, one sensor. We haven't yet linked what it could do to our daily life. Like an insole like yours, you don't know how your company is going to evolve over time. Whether you're going to, what type of data, what you see, what you learn, how it's going to impact people's behavior. Right. Well, let's go, actually, uh, let's go back to something pretty practical that doesn't require even an insole, which is you hear about these domestic violence, domestic violence cases where the disgruntled, soon-to-be ex-husband is tracking the wife. Now, he's, not, he's tracking her through her phone or whatever. These smart insoles and smart everything else are more, provide still more basis for, they don't, nobody even cares about the data that's coming off of them other than where are you. Right. And so what, is there any protection against that, Ted, that you saw as you listened to these discussions I on think, networks? I think there is. There's also a question of what data you should be collecting for the tasks that you're working on. I mean, we're not necessarily interested in collecting GPS data mm. on our patients. We're interested in helping them manage, you know, health and wellness conditions. So we may, yeah, but you may need for diabetics, we may be collecting data on balance, and gait to help manage mm. your conditions, and it might lead to a discovery about falling that we didn't realize, which could benefit On the other potentially hand, millions of people. Imagine not collecting the GPS data, and, and you signal the daughter um, that the elderly father is at risk of an ulcer, which is in a costly event, and she wants to know where he is, and you turn out to be the only connected thing on him because his phone is run out of batteries because he didn't remember to charge it the night before. Interesting. And then, um, and then sure, but that's thought. a detail because you can add that functionality we easily. Well, no, but it's but if, that's the functionality that's the the, the the privacy issues really come up with. Think about that. What all the armies, the soldiers who had that app on their phone for oh, what was that? Right. A fitness they, app. That was a fitness and now the app. Russians now, apparently know where all our troops are. Well, that sounds like a, that sounds like something Fox News Network would say. <laughs> well, I think I think somebody we may have know where some of the troops are. Privacy in a much more consumer-friendly, transparent way. It can't be buried in the bottom of a user agreement in paragraph 18 in small print. I agree. I think you have to say to someone, 
do you want us to track your GPS in these insoles and here's why you may want it and here's why you might not want it and leave the decision to that individual. It's like, the, the, you know, yeah. did you know that Snapchat had location turned on automatically and kids had to go turn it off? So whenever, whenever you used it, all your friends and everybody you're linked to and kids linked to everybody yes. knew where you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you as a father, you, you protect your privacy, but then your kid... Yeah, they don't. They don't. And then now we know that you vacationed at the uh, Four Seasons in uh, Mar-a-Lago. That was last oh, year. That's... <laughs> the year before, actually. <laughs> But no, so, I, okay, so now let's go okay, back to failure. failure. We gotta get to failure, okay. okay. So okay. failure. We're chomping at the Have you ever failure. failed? Yes, and tell us the yes. background. So. Gory details. Um, background was we, um, we decided that we needed to add a new brand of women's shoes to our stable of brands. So we went out and we came up with a name for that brand. We did some market research on that brand. We started uh, doing product development. We put together a whole line of samples. Uh, we created how much a, money? How much a money? Trade Is it show a, a, dredge, a dress shoe or a these dress? were these were dress shoes. Do dress. I know anything about this? I don't know no, anything, you don't about, know this. anything about, about this. Well, how much money was spent? We was spent. At oodles. least $50,000, oh, maybe $100,000. Oh, okay, that's not, yeah. No, I mean, that's two Manolo Blahniks. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> keep going, keep going. This is this yeah. is back in the day. Okay, yeah. This was when $50,000 okay, was worth a so million dollars. You're yeah. right. This, this yeah. uh, Today's dollars, we're talking, okay, we're talking in today's dollars. Yeah, Half Trumpian a million dollars. dollars. T dollars. Okay. Trump Just dollars. Just to test something new. Yeah. We, we were going to take the industry by storm. Yeah. This was going to be a hundred million dollar brand. Yeah. And we failed. What happened? Miserably. No, that's always in the market that you already no, knew. No, 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 no. Something more exciting than that. No, no. But in, they knew the footwear in, market already. We knew, we knew yeah, the yeah. footwear market, but yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. new part of the market. What happened? And what happened was is that the customers. Oh didn't like the name the shoe didn't like the products <laughs> you didn't test well, well, they didn't you, like the how'd you do that didn't you have but a, was it designed by someone who understood women it was designed by Ted. By Ted. He failed. You failed this city. By our, by our good friend who is also in charge of, of running the machine. It was, it was designed by our team of designers that had so already sold over 100 million pairs of shoes. Okay. Uh, ones they had designed together. On ones oh. that they had designed so maybe together. That's like the, no, no, no. I heard once a story of the Edsel. Is it the Ford Edsel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Great was, car. They, they knew exactly. They, they did the survey. They, they did the survey and they designed the perfect car that everybody yeah. was going yeah. to like yeah. and no one bought it. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. exactly what we did in the shoe business. <laughs> so you just need to rename we it the Edsel. our whole team and committee working together to come up with this amazing concept and this amazing brand and nobody wanted to buy them. So wait a minute. So what was, did you dig into why? Did they have fins on them like the Edsel shoe did? It I mean, was, Edsel car? It was, it was definitely a classic case of the, uh, of the Edsel. What, um, why? What was on it? It was... Were they purple? It was... With like googly eyes? Were you trying to satisfy everybody? No, googly eyed shoes. He had shoes with googly eyes. We literally eyes. tried to satisfy yeah, everyone. By, well, tell us about yeah, it. We literally, we literally tried to make it... Yeah, yeah. Like you couldn't say no to this. It yeah, was well, the right price. It was understandable product, and 
we put it all together and it looked great. Oh, really? Did and it have heels? The heel is not too low, not too high, the not heel too long. Was not, not too, too low, not too high, and it was comfortable, <laughs> it was flexible, and the leather was so, nice. And it's it was good really at work, good at, at, at the cocktail party. Minute, wait a minute. So, tell, so what, what shoe that's out there now that Ziad and I would know, which means it better be a tennis shoe, does this most look like? No, I know. I was at uh, Bergdorf Goodman two weeks ago <laughs> in the shoe department looking yeah. at shoes. After Mar-a-Lago? And, uh, and, and for a mere $2,000, you can buy an entry-level high heel. Well, so tell us what it looked like. What did it look like? So it was a mid-heel. Yeah. Mid-heel. That's, mid that's a bad start, yeah. It was a mid-heel. Yeah, it was a compromise. <laughs> this is great. It's a shoe-by committee. Exactly. <laughs> it's a shoe-by. It wasn't too pointy. It wasn't too round. It wasn't too high. It wasn't yeah. too low. It wasn't too casual. It wasn't, wasn't too, too formal. Purple. It wasn't yeah. too and no googly, Excellent. No googly eyes. This is the best podcast. No googly eyes. I love this googly eyes on my shoes. Mid-heel. Mid-heel. So, so, so the bells weren't too loud. The whistles weren't too <laughs> So let's go back shrill. to this. So, what, so tell us why it didn't sell. Did you ask anyone? It was, because a, it, it was a lousy product. It satisfied no one. No, no, no. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> was it that it was Nobody wasn't? needed it. What do you mean? Nobody needed to buy it. Everybody had it in their closet already. Yes. And I, I would add... Everybody had it in I their agree. closet. And oh, I, yes. would, I bet does, you yeah, no one sorry. needed it. And then also no one wanted it. Because you want the super high end right. and you need the low end. Right. And then there's that middle of the ground yeah, where that's you an were. Point. It's we too were much, we yeah. were experts in the middle of the ground. We our shoes sold from as low as twenty dollars a pair in the store's private label up to hundred and fifty. So we you know, our customer range was wide. We were not, you know, Prada or Gucci, we're not selling five hundred dollar pairs of shoes, we're selling volume. We're making 10, 20, 30,000 pairs of shoes a day. We know what we're doing. But we designed a brand and a product and a program that nobody needed. So here's a question, a serious question. So you've got a, you essentially have designed a, a, a Camry or some sort of generic thing that nobody needs now. In your business, could you have just gone back and put, go back to my googly eyes, could you put googly eyes on it or a big bow or like put, um, pointy spikes on it or something with the Ben-Hur shoe? Is there some, because you now had a platform and it sounds like what you're saying is that in the end, sending, selling the mediocre shoe gets you less than mediocre sales. But if you'd added a feature, could you retrofit a feature on it? You like have to redesign it, it. No, 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 just add the simple thing. So based on the, based on the reaction at the first trade shows, we actually went back and tried to uh, re-engineer it. Yeah. And, um, we decided that um, it was actually not the right decision. The easy thing would have been, let's redesign it, let's tweak yeah, it, put let's a bow put on some it. bows on it, yeah. let's change the color of the bows, let's go back out again and sell it. Yeah, and then we realized that this was creating a huge distraction from oh. our existing regular business. <laughs> <laughs> and Heads that, will roll, but but <laughs> and that it was uh, that the actually the smart thing to do would be was, was just stop. Oh really? Close. Yeah, that's smart. That, I mean, but that's R and D in the world of footwear, right. where you're trying something and 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 from the outside you think that footwear comes in three options. I don't know, dressy, work, and and then super casual. But in fact, there are probably dozens of variations and different levels and and the $20 and the $50 and the super dressy and the designer and 
and you have to understand which which uh, arena you're playing in. Right. So let's talk about the philosophy of failure, because the view I'm coming to is that failure is the, net, the normal order of things, sort of like death is, the, unfortunately, the normal order of life, because it allows life to mm. evolve. And so I would think, and from what I'm thinking, that's true of businesses as well for reasons I can't quite figure out, except I came up with a theory yesterday, which was that the reason, if businesses aren't failing at a good clipping, at a good clip, then it means there's too much money in the economy. Um, in other words, you know, the only time businesses weren't failing in, in my uh, not-so-short years was during the Clinton era um, when there was a lot of free money out there. So businesses tended not to fail because there was a lot of fake money supporting them. So we need an economist to get into that. But that aside, you guys had a track record of success, which seems to me runs counter to, the, the at least in my theory, the, the normal course, which is failure. I'll say, okay, fine. You were a going business, and you were entitled to have the string of successes you had had because through not self-selection but through natural selection you guys survived because you knew how to design shoes and it just turned out that you you were beating the odds constantly shoe after shoe was selling like crazy and so you're entitled to a failure so why not so why why is failure not why is failure of one line not the natural order um, because the normal order of things, a lot of things fail. Yeah, but you guys were experts in, in, in the footwear. Yeah, no so technically, fail. launching a new m line should have been a piece of cake. But and, experts fail. And, and of we course. Had, we, had the we had the infrastructure, we had the model, we had the experience, the we distribution, had the team, we, we had the distribution. And we failed. Yeah, but, but, but maybe it's for two, failure success. Two things, though. I think, number one, I think any journey in business is going to involve some type of failure. Right. And that's part of the journey. And yeah. you have to and you have to embrace it. Hopefully it's not an epic failure that actually destroys your business. Right. Right. The other thing is like is that Facebook and 87 87 million privacy violations. But we're not we're <laughs> never going to have to throw a benefit for them. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing is our success in our business was really grounded in the fact that um, my father and CEO of the company was a pioneer. Yeah. He was an innovator, and he he took large risks. Yeah. And most of those risks turned into huge yeah. successes, but not yeah. all of them. So what did you learn from this one? We can call it failure because that's the easiest thing, and this is failure of the podcast. But if you just take that as a just a bad data point, what did you learn from it? I think we learned that um, we needed to get even closer to our customers to understand their businesses on an even higher level so that we could fill real needs. But you were filling them in nine times out of ten. Or maybe 19 out of 20. No, so you were not filling one need 100%. You were filling 50 needs 40%. But that's the nature of so the shoe So no business. one was going to buy your product. Right, 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 right. But they made a mistake on one shoe. And I'll argue you're entitled oh, to that one mistake. Line. One yeah. line. Oh, that's an R&D failure, but... It was, a, it, was, it was more than R&D. It was a corporate. It was not... It was a company failure. It wasn't just R&D or just the design. It was 
It was the whole process. Did you normally it, it everybody got to, involved? Everybody got involved. <laughs> Every, but is, everybody failed. But isn't that how all of your shoes had been designed by by committee? No, actually not. Oh, um, as oh there is a, a failure, failure here. Ooh. No, there is a huge. Uh, hold on, a uh, uh, camel is a horse yeah. designed by a committee. Yes, and this Fashion. is a bad shoe is not a democracy. Oh. Uh-huh. Quote, so, unquote, from my father, Norman Finn. <laughs> so you look at Gucci yeah, and yeah. Prada and the big designers. Right. Not a, there not is a committee. A, there is a strong oh leader. Oh, my God, yes. There is really? a, this, Absolutely. This is it. This is oh, what there you was will a buy. Job decide, of shoes. And if you watch the movie, The Devil Wears Prada. I watched that. And they, you see, it's not just, it's a dictatorship Absolutely. To, the, to the employees, not just to the employees, to us, the idiots who actually buy the stuff yeah. Yeah. thinking that we're special in fact we're just following yeah. uh, we're what told. they dictate right and using uh, the Facebook uh, data they have stolen we were able to do all this without Facebook so yeah. how great is that okay so this was the first shoe you did with by committee is that true no we actually had done we had done other group projects uh, committee projects But um, I think that we did them more thoughtfully and we were more in tune oh. with our customers' needs oh. or we saw more clearly the niche or the opening in the market and we were able to pivot and react fast enough to get through that so before it closed. Is it a little, did arrogance come to play a little bit where the committee felt, you know, we know everything about shoes. We know everything about our market. Let's just put our heads together and design the perfect shoe that everybody will wear. And then there is excitement and no one, no one for one second questioned what the committee was doing. Um, yes. And in fashion, arrogance always comes into play. Yeah. Exactly. So here's another one. If you exactly. had had Facebook and or a infinitely large marketing budget, could you have convinced a large enough portion of the population that this was actually a shoe they wanted? Like by launching the Let's Get Average campaign? You know, we've seen a lot of companies in the consumer goods space um, succeed with questionable products based on the power of their marketing yeah. and advertising. Uh, yeah. So I, would, I never underestimate that power. Yeah. I oh, never yeah. underestimate it. We do, we live it all day long. Where yeah. you buy something oh, that... We were a product-centered company. We always tried to make the best product that we could because we felt in the end, we would win based on the product. And while that was true many times, In this case, it was not true at all. So, one more question regarding oh, no, that. That's a, that's a topic uh, that's uh, an obsession of mine. Which is which? Who was the founder, the leader, oh. the, the single person who's... What, did the committee have a leader? A visionary, oh, oh, an innovator oh, who was leading? Or question. it was diluted among multiple people? Um, it was actually, in this case, it was diluted. Yeah. yeah. Because in general, I mean, that doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but I'm sure in the fashion industry, you need a creative, crazy leader that is an innovator, someone you who... You need Stephen Jobs. I've seen who, it both ways. I've seen it, you know, where the creative innovator, powerful leader totally has the vision and is able to 
to bring the organization and execute it. And I've seen it Completely, where the yeah. leader actually has lost touch with the customer. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. He right, has no right. clue about what's right. going yeah. that's on where in, arrogance, in the real world. Yeah, and that's, that's where, where arrogance, arrogance comes clouds back. the vision and yep. is definitely a huge... And arrogance is the worst trait of an entrepreneur. Okay, I got to... Let me change gears. Agreed. But go, back, go backwards. Um, Did Facebook steal our data, by the way? They've already stolen it. It's, even though it's not <laughs> it even been released yet, they stole it. Um, so you've been in businesses for, you've been in doing shoes for 30 years, I'll say. 36 years. Okay. So in that period of time, so the, the, I think the basic proposition I will give you is failure is the normal order of things for a business. True or false and why? True. Why? One way or another, over time, most businesses will find a way to fail. But why? Why is that the natural order of things? Why should that be true? Um, maybe because we're flesh and blood and hmm. the ability to transition through all of the stages of evolution of a business um, are extraordinarily challenging and very hard for us entrepreneurs to give up the reins or share control. When a company starts with five people and then we're 180 people, it is not the same company. Yep, not at all. Oh, yep. That's an interesting thing. And then also your market, so your company is made out of people and then your market is made out of people. And then so, and those two are continuously changing right. and continuously adapting, continuously evolving. So we're going to come up, there's going to be Uber with self-driving cars at some point in the years to come, or Tesla and the like. Will there be, and so what your answer suggested is that even if the founder CEO early on made the right decisions, as the market conditions change, as the company becomes bigger, as the personnel issues become uh, more complex, that founder may not be the right person. So even if they statistically navigate statistically or probabilistically all the hurdles early on, they may not make it to some critical you know, Series A funding or the like. Will there be an Uber, should there be an Uber of running companies? In other words, that simply keeps the energy up at all times and tells you the right decision it's, you should yes, make at every and point. It's very hard to continue, keep innovation in a large company. I they think lose it as they grow. Not just innovation, but uh, management, decision making and everything else. Yeah. The, 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 the leaders, yeah. true leaders of the company need to embrace self-awareness through these stages so that they can also adapt to these stages and also lead their their people and yeah. it's very hard to do and and I and I am totally embracing this the self-awareness now at this stage of my life I am not a 24 year old entrepreneur I am 59 years old and a youngster new a youngster. younger member of our podcast so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but to go back to the conference we're in so the Dubai discussion uh, yeah yeah a so Dubai city. has grown from being a very exciting it's still very exciting yeah. but it was new everything was being built 
now they're starting to deal with normal big city issues, oh, traffic, really? oh. uh, uh, some crime, uh, all the things that uh, a startup doesn't have to do before. It was, let's call it a yeah. startup city. Startup city. Yeah. 18, 80s, 90s. Startup smart city. Now yeah. Yeah. they have to deal with immigration issues, overpopulation, mm -hmm. uh, traffic, uh, 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 whether it's So crime, think of this as a business. It's taxes. a business. It's a business, and every business goes through all these cycles. And I guess we'll look back 10 years from now or 20 and see whether it failed. And we'll, we'll see. And, right. and, and, and uh, Apple, Apple, Google, I would say Apple, Google, and maybe Microsoft are anomalies. They've survived for yeah. 20, 30, 40, 40 years. And what they did, in my opinion, is they went and bought startups. Yeah, well. Those companies understand that creativity is going to come from the outside. Right. So they keep bringing People, people from the outside and companies. And give them enough freedom to, to continue innovating. To innovate, yeah. yep. Because we've seen the opposite. There were serial acquirers, conglomerates in the 80s and 90s that acquired companies and ended up yeah, essentially, essentially yeah. imploding. They just yeah. Yeah. put them in their yeah. bureaucratic system and, exactly. and lose them. So balancing maturity, like Dubai is like a teenager now. Yeah. And as businesses it, go, yeah. And they're trying to find their way. Will their leadership, you know, evolve and manage these challenging years and yeah. then figure out how to keep, yeah, keep and, it going. And you can be cool at twenty, at thirty, maybe at forty. At 50 and 60, you're just not cool anymore. And, I don't and, know. Well, I mean, I'm still rocking the yeah. world. Yeah. I'm not feeling so bad myself. Okay, yes. But okay. when is the last time you went to a nightclub in Ibiza? Well, that does, who so, knows that that's cool? Not, yeah. Too long. Yeah. I don't know what cool is, yeah, but I'm saying it's, it's, uh, you have to mature with your age, with your time, with the size of your business. Yeah. So we're drifting away from yeah, failure. That's so fine. So we appreciate. I, we're we, done. We did. I, it. I think yeah. we're done. Thank you, Ted. And thank you, Ted. This thank was you fascinating. Both. Philosophical. What a yeah. discussion. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Bye bye.